We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. IB Nation, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Thursday. It is post-signing day, Ryan. Uh, Ryan has recovered as best he can from yesterday's marathon show. And uh, what a what a great show you guys had yesterday, Ryan. That was awesome with you and Sean and then all the players and family members. And you're going to hopefully, we won't drop names because, you know, sometimes we drop names and people don't show up. But tomorrow's recruiting show will also have some names on it. Uh, we'll have some interview, some people there and we'll have um, you'll have some interviews and then you and I will do a recruiting mailbag afterwards. Today, we are not going to do a mailbag just to give everybody a heads up uh, right away. Ryan, we are going to break down the 2024 recruiting class. Then we'll have another topic coming up here in a couple hours that we'll dive into that'll be recruiting related, but not about this. But we're going to take a deep dive into, you know, just analysis of the 2024 class. And at the end of the day, answer the question that is always the one question about another M recruiting class. Did they close the gap? And we'll talk about that as well. And so what, how we're going to do it, Ron, we'll just do kind of like a class overview. We will then dive into just handing out our position by position grades and just kind of evaluating grades. We'll get into what the grades mean. Uh, how we get to them, and then we'll do a player rankings. And so I ranked my offensive players 1 to 11, my defensive players 1 to 12. I'll share those. And then Ryan also did rankings of the offensive and defensive players 1 to 11 and 1 through 12. And instead of doing like a back and forth, here's mine, here's yours, here's why I like mine, here's why I don't like yours, it'll just be more of explaining what we have. And then, you know, we may talk about, you know, just if I see some that are like real different from mine, I may ask you to dive into it just so people can explain. So it's not so much a debate, but just to give different perspectives. And there'll be a lot that we agree on. There's only a few kids, I think, on each side of the ball that we have somewhat of a, I'd say, substantial difference of opinion, maybe one or two. You know, most of them are like, I have them six, you have them eight, I have them one, you have them two, something like that. That's normally how our disagreements are. 
uh, or differences of opinion are. So we'll dive into that. That'll be really fun as well. Uh, and then, of course, we'll have other stuff coming up. You know, we actually we may we may depending on how we are time wise, may do two year grades today. But that'll be kind of a later show as well, just looking at how you grade the two classes together. Uh, I'll have something for that on the internet as well at irishbreakdown.com. So, Ryan, just first of all, glad you recovered. Play, you know, podding like a champion today, right? Coming back after a five-hour show. I know how hard that can be. That's but right. it's ex- it's exciting to do it because, I mean, look, when when you've got something exciting to talk about, it makes it easier to do it. And when you start talking about this 24 recruiting class, Ryan, it's easy to get fired up and say, hey, you know what? I'm tired today, but man, I want to talk about this class because it's a it would have been a lot harder to get up today if it was like, oh, I got to talk about this disappointing class and all the misses <laughs> they had and all the flips they had. I'm serious. Yep. But when it's like, yep. dude, this is this this I'm watching just going through film again last night, just making sure because I did my final grades and stuff. I just want to make sure, OK, do I feel really good about this grade where I have a guy? Sure. Like, Aaron, this class is really good, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And I, I think to your point, I think the best part of the site is, I mean, at Irish Breakdown is that it's very analysis driven, obviously, right? And we're not just putting out numbers and putting out, you know, opinions without kind of backing things up, right? And yesterday's signing day show was much more about the individuals, you know, the people that were celebrating their day, the recruits that were signing, the families that had been a part of the support system, the coaches that had been a part of the support system. And celebrating their accomplishments today is much more of the analyst hat on right we're going to talk about what makes this class special potentially we're going to talk about the spots that we still have question marks we'll talk about the players in in specifically about their strengths and their growth as seniors and i think that this is one of the best (laughs) i think it's one of the best podcasts that we do every single year because now this is about we have an end result there's no more speculating. There's no more guessing. We know the 23 players that are a part of the 2024 recruiting class for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and how does it all fit together? And I think that just on a broad spectrum analysis, it's a very talented and toolsy group in the sense of we're going to talk a lot today about floor and ceilings at points. And I think the biggest thing that I take away from this class is that 
Notre Dame's sure shot for the ceiling in this class from a just a talent perspective, right? There are some players that we're going to look at and say, you know, th- there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of development needs to happen, whether it's physical, technical, or anywhere in between. But more than anything, Notre Dame at every single spot, just about in the 2024 class, compared to where the roster is, they're going to make them more, they're longer, they're going to make them longer. They're going to make them more explosive. They're going to make them more talented. And I think at the end of the day, that's what recruiting is. You're trying to make your roster more balanced and more talented. And I think Notre Dame has a chance to do that, Brian. Now, it's going to come down to development like it always does, right? And coaches doing their job and putting players in proper position. But I don't think anyone can look at the class that Notre Dame put together, the 23 names, and say, hey, not everyone's going to work out. There's development that needs to happen. But you know what Notre Dame did? They got longer faster and more explosive at basically every single spot what you see in this class ryan is from an overall standpoint is you're starting to see the vision of what marcus freeman and chad bowden want to do and essentially it's marcus freeman says here's my vision chad dre recruiting staff assistant coaches go get it done and then of course he plays a big role in that as well but you know you talk about it ryan and marcus freeman talked about some of it yesterday but I, i i just remember watching the georgia alabama game and thinking to myself, this is why Notre Dame is doing what they're doing. Because what you saw was size and length everywhere. Yes. Yes. And, and, and and not so much like the 350 weight-wise, but just length, long, athletic guys. And even a guy like a Peter Jones, which we'll get into, for a guy that projects as an inside guy, he's got pretty good length, in my opinion. You know, he's not a he's not moving inside because he's got short, stubby arms and can't play on the outside, right? I mean, he's yeah, he's a you know br- he's, go ahead. You know what's funny about that is Joe Rudolph was the coach at Wisconsin, right, for a while there, and one of his best pupils was Logan Bruss, who mm-hmm. I actually think kind of has some Peter Peter Jones has some Logan Bruss in him in the sense that Logan played right tackle, Logan played guard because he had kind of those borderline traits between. He's long enough and probably functionally athletic enough to play some right tackle, but also he can be an asset inside a guard. So I agree. I mean, I think that even the guys that you would kind of coin as kind of the grinders of the group, the guys that maybe aren't the most spectacular athletes, they are solid to plus athletes at the positions that they're being projected to as well. Like, I mean, it's across the board. It's like that for Notre Dame this year. Yeah, it, it is, Ryan. And, and you you also see athleticism. Marcus Freeman and the staff clearly, and this that's not rocket science. I mean, any smart coach should be looking to get more athletic, right? But you're you're seeing a staff that's looking that puts a value on can these guys run? And and like I'm I'm writing my grades for the linebacker class today, Ryan. And and you know, one of the things I said was there's a lot of projection there for Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rezac. Like we're not sure what they're going to be. But the reason I love this linebacker class, because it doesn't have the fl- – like last year's linebacker class, for me, all three of them graded in top 150 or higher, like including Preston Zinner, whose senior film I loved. But obviously, Jaden Osbury was a top 50 guy. Drake Bowen was like two points away from being a top 50 guy on my point scale. And then you had Preston Zinner, who jumped from a borderline top 250 guy as a junior to a top 150 guy for me as a senior. There was such a high floor there. But when you look at this group, you could argue it's even faster than last year's linebacker class. Now, is it as good? That remains to be seen. But that's the thing you look at is like Carson Hobbs. Is Carson Hobbs going to be as good as Benjamin Morrison or or Christian Gray or or J- even Jaden Mickey? I have no idea because there's a lot of projection there. But the thing we saw as a senior, he can run. 
you know, and, and there's just a lot of that. There was a, clearly a value on athleticism, length. And the other thing that's interesting about this class, Ryan, this is probably the most productive recruiting class Notre Dame has ever had. When you just look at just the – like, here's here's some exam- – I mean, obviously, C.J. Carr put up a ton of numbers in high school. Sure. You've got a running back who who I think we both grade as the number two back in the class in, 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 in Aeneas mm-hmm. Williams. Is that – Correct. That? Yes. Okay. Yep. He had over 4,000 career rushing yards, 3,000 career receiving yards, and over 150 career touchdowns. Second, and in, not, second in state history in the state of Missouri in touchdowns. Yep. And he's not even the number one back in the class. Now, you could argue that he is. It's not a big gap. I mean, he's a really good football player. But that speaks volumes. And, and, and Kedron Young, if he didn't play behind just a terrible offensive line in his career, would have gone over 4,000 yards for his career. I think he finished with like 3,900 and like 68 or it, something like that, right? It was weird because there was a report. I think Lufkin actually put it out that he went over 4,000, but then uh-huh. I looked at the official numbers and he was 39-something. Right. So I think right. they might have rose up the stats yeah. a little bit. Some JV stats on there or something. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, but he was excellent. He was outstanding. And then this past season, Cam Williams, who I have as a five-star. Ryan, I believe you have. Do you have him as a five-star? Right, so we're both there. Yes. He was he was their least productive wide receiver at just pure pass catching this season. Now Cam did a ton of stuff and like rushing and he even threw some yeah. balls and return yards and defense, but it's just pure pass catching. He had the fewest catches and yards of the three receivers. Actually, well, no, Jack Larson had fewer yards, but I think Jack Larson even had more catches than he did. I believe this season. I, I believe yes, he he definitely did. He had forty three, I believe. I think Cam had thirty seven. You know what's wild is I'm pretty sure Aeneas Williams had more catches and almost as many yards as Cam as well. Yes. So yeah, yes. it's it's pretty now, wild. <laughs> Cam had great numbers. Don't get it twisted. It just that's how product. I mean, he was over 30 catches. I think he had about 900 yards because they 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 are you know um they did so much with him, Brian today or you know um he had, sorry, he had like 30 I, rushes for like over yeah, 400 yards. As a put him at Wildcat. You know, he yeah. played defense, so there'd be times when, you know, maybe on offense they were kind of giving him a little bit of a breather. There was – he hurt himself from a receiving standpoint. When you return three or four kickoffs for touchdowns, you're kind of taking away your own chance to get catches. You know what I mean? But that's the kind of player he was, and that's not to in any way kind of question Cam Williams. It's like he was brilliant this year. It's just to say that's how productive this class was. I mean – you know, you look at you look at the defensive side of the ball. You look at the defense, the the, the um the defensive line. I mean, Bryce Young, yep. like uh, we'll we'll get into the specific grades, but like Bryce Young went from a guy that we're just like I'm not sure what he's going to be to a guy that was just monster production. I mean, as a as a junior, he had 92 yep. tackles, nine tackles for loss, and three sacks. As a senior, he had uh, 97 tackles, 33 tackles for loss. So what I did or what I did with that Ryan is I know that they listed him at 18, but if a lot of high schools do tackles for loss separately from sacks. I just tried to do it like they do it in college, how they so just to give people more context. 33 tackles for loss, 14 sacks this season, and just went from a yeah, he's toolsy, but I mean, I had him as a three and a half star player after his junior yeah. season with four and a half star upside. I mean, you see the tools now, he's a four and a half star player with five star upside just in one offseason. You know, yeah. Logan, uh, Logan Thomas as a junior. In Texas, had a disappointing season. I mean, he had thirty. He was banged up, and he had thirty-one yeah. tackles. Only uh, playing just, like six games or something. Yeah, like that too. Yeah, yeah, just one sack. Just wasn't overly productive. And then he comes out this year playing against outstanding competition in the state of Ohio at St. Edwards, playing against Ignatius and a lot of the top programs in the state of Ohio. 
And he has yeah. 129 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, and an insane nine forced fumbles, which is just nutty. And and it just it was across the board that way, right? I mean, you just you just look Sean Savoliano had just numbers that you're just like, come on, that 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 can't be right. Like that that can't be right. Like you you know, there's no way that kid had 100 tackles and 65 tackles for loss and 14 sacks this year. But then you look at against against pretty good competition though, too, man. Like than last year, yeah. You're just like some of this is just stupid. But but you know, and and then you look at a guy like Cole Mullins, Ryan, and and that'll be a guy that we'll have some interesting conversation on on earlier. He didn't play this year, but last season for one of the best teams in the state of Georgia. He had 58 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, and six sacks as a middle linebacker that sometimes played on the edge. And so just across the board, you just see elite production from this class. And that's important because you you want to know, like, tools are matter, right? I mean, you'll draft yep. guys, you'll see guys get drafted in the NFL that did hardly anything in college because mm-hmm. he's got elite tools. But what makes this class special in my view and where I think a lot of people are missing the boat is I think you guys are missing some of the talent but the production from this group is elite and that 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 matters to me cuz cuz what you're getting is you're not just getting prospects you're getting yep. football players and that's huge like Sevillano well, is a perfect example i'm just not super high on him from a tool standpoint i just sure. you know so like my grade for him's lower because i'm just like you know i think i got questions about his length how is that going to hold up against bigger players i got but then sure. you're just like but like you said but you can't ignore that production at yep. any level of high school football. Eight, eight tackles for loss against Miami Palmetto. It's like yeah. you know, Miami Palmetto's a very good team. Like they have a lot of talent. So I mean, yeah, that's where that's where it always is fun from the production side of things. Because I mean, you even go to like a Bodie Cahoon who had 203 tackles this past year, and we had his defensive coordinator on yesterday, Lee Johnson, where he basically said, but he couldn't believe the numbers they were coming up with, but he would go back and watch it. And he's like, I actually think I may have shortchanged him a little bit in some areas. Like it's just, it is what it is, man. And I think the key part though, is that if guys are productive against really good competition, that usually translates, man. Like that usually does the, the, the area that's difficult with evaluation sometimes. And this is goes from high school to college or the NFL draft side of things is when guys are super productive, but not against great competition, that's where you have to put your evaluator hat on and really dive into the traits and what they have. Cause there are a couple players that we'll talk about that. Like you mentioned Aeneas Williams, crazy stats, right, Brian, you know, the over 7,000 career yards, 150 touchdowns. Well, Aeneas doesn't play against great competition in Missouri. He doesn't, right. but then you watch him. You're like, but he does this, this, and this well. So that translates to next right. level. That's the nuance of evaluation. Right. So, Ryan, when you look at this class, first question we have to ask ourselves, at least I ask myself when I'm trying to evaluate in class, is did you meet your needs? And the thing that's been really impressive about the first, this is the second full class. Now, something that the, the media session yesterday said, you know, this is your first full class. And the, the point that person was trying to make was, like, that class they fully got on, you know, for two years, they were on from really start to finish. Last year's class was a full class, but you had some new staff members. Some of those guys still got offered by, you know, the previous coaching staff and things along those lines. So, but they're both 23 and 24 are, the, are truly full Marcus Freeman classes. Like they were 100% responsible for who was added to the class. And when you and, look at and it, every, every commitment that they got was with Marcus Freeman as a head coach, not correct. him still as a DC. Correct. Yeah, right. Correct. Yep. One thing you notice about both of those classes, 
it's great balance. It's there's not a like the the only there's a couple spots like kind of so like last year I felt like you know that they wanted two backs and didn't get two backs. So you had to look at that, even though the one back they got was elite. And and you know they needed an extra back because that's why they went and got Devin Ford out of the portal. If they didn't need another back, they wouldn't have gone and got Devin Portal Ford out of the portal. So, you know, they, they but still it wasn't like a holy moly, you can't field a rosters. Like you didn't get your sixth running back that you wanted on your team. You know, we kind of right. felt like looking at other positions, you know, yeah, you got good numbers in the D line, but who's going to be the Viper? We didn't know. Well, now we know, but at the time, yeah. you know, you look at it and, you know, could you get a third safety? Well, now we, I'm going to consider Luke Talich as that third safety because of, you know, getting him, he's going to be a scholarship player, things, you know, but outside of like this year, I felt one of the things that, that I dinged the defensive line class for, which we'll get into my grades is I thought they were one interior player short of meeting what I think the needs are for the future, not for 2024. They're going to be fine there. They're loaded there. They didn't need to, right. but you're, you're going to potentially lose two to four guys from your defensive tackle depth chart after next season. Cause sure. I spoke an error the other day. I said, Gabriel Rubio was done after next year. He actually has There's an additional, he redshirted as a freshman. Gotcha. You know, that's assuming he comes back for a fifth year, same with Jason Onye. But in the next two years, you're going to lose a lot of guys from your current roster. And yep. you don't want to be replacing them with freshmen. So, so that, but that's a, that's a minor nitpick. They were comfortable not adding a guy there. Once they lost out on Namdi, they didn't scramble to say, oh, who else can we get? They're like, we're okay. We're not going to panic and just take a guy to take a guy. So even though I would say there's a couple spots, maybe you were a guy short for as a whole. Two things I like, Ryan. A, I think as a whole, they met their needs within the margin for I'm comfortable with that. And then number two, when they didn't quite get to the ideal number, they didn't panic and just take a guy to take a guy. And those two things to me show that there's some savviness and there's some clear calculation by this staff and then to be able to carry out that calculation and, and accomplish what they did is impressive. I also think they recovered really well in certain instances as well. I mean, we talked about when like Isaiah Canyon decommitted from Notre Dame. It's like they pivoted very quickly to find that third wide receiver who ended up not being just a take out of desperation. It ended up being Logan. So that is pretty dang good, man. If you saw him as a, as a, as a senior this past year for Palma high school out in Salinas, California, like they did a great job of pivoting in a couple situations, you know, and, I mean, so there's going to be a couple spots that we'll talk about from the, you know, was it, did the talent need hit exactly what you needed it to be? Is there still some questions? Like, we'll talk about that. But ultimately, I think it was a very crafty cycle by the recruiting staff in Notre Dame and the coaches, because I think that they're just, they were composed the whole time. There wasn't panic at any point in this recruiting class. It was like, I remember, because you remember when Isaiah Cannon decommitted, Everyone in this space, you know, from a from a from the fans' perspective, they're all like, "Where do you go now? Do you go get Jason Robinson again? Do you try to do this?" Because at that point, Jason Robinson had already committed to Washington, and that was the other guy that we had talked about that like Notre Dame was recruiting for a while. So it was like, "What wide receiver do you go to now? You know, is this something you let play out? Is it like what happens?" And within like a week. Right. We knew who that guy was going to be, right? So, like, there was no panic. It was just which meant they didn't just find him out of nowhere after exactly. they lost a guy. They had a plan of if we need another guy, this is the direction that we want to go. And defensive end is another one, Ryan. You know, there were some guys early in the in the class that you really thought they had a shot with some big time guys, Elijah rushing at defensive end. You know, guys yeah. like that, and they ended up not getting those guys. 
and you end up getting Logan Thomas, which is a kind of a low floor, high ceiling guy. But then you look at it, you're like, but that ceiling is enormous. And then as a senior, he goes out and moves to, he played a good competition in Texas. I mean, playing down in Katy, Texas, you're playing against good competition. But some of the best competition that you're going to face in all of all of America is if you play either in that Cincinnati League or up in that Northern Private School League of Ohio, where you're playing, you know, you're at St. Edward, you're playing, you know, Ignatius, you're traveling all over the country to play those top teams. They played Archbishop Moeller this yes, year. Yes, yes. I'm actually going to yeah. pull up their their schedule. So, because uh, it really is um, an impressive wild, schedule, and you're playing against really good teams. They had a national TV game, and I'm trying to remember who that was against. Uh, good counsel. They played against yeah. good counsel on national on TV. Yeah. Uh, they played against that. Um, you know, they 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 played against a couple teams actually from the state of Maryland. Uh, they played against Cincinnati Elder. Uh, yep. They played against River Rouge. I believe that's a school out of out of Louisiana, or no, that's River Rouge out of Michigan. That's right, the Detroit area. Uh, yep. They played against Maslin Washington this season. They played against Saint Ignatius. They played against Moeller. They played against Archbishop Hoban in Akron. Uh, you know, they played against Canton McKinley in the playoff. They, you know, and, and so you look at it and you're like, man, this team, th- you're doing what well, he did against Springfield in the championship right. too, right? They played right. Springfield with all those guys as right. well. We don't talk about Maslin on this show yeah. though, because I don't want Tommy to text him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They also beat, played Center Grove, who was one of the best teams in the state of Indiana this season. Yeah. And they have a good so, quarterback in Tyler Cherry right. that just flipped to right. Indiana from Duke. So yeah, that yeah. was a big loss for Duke. Big, huge pickup for Kurt Signetti, by the way. Big pickup for him, but we digress. This is an Indiana show. That's my fault. And so um, I was for I was busting people's chops about talking about Ohio State in the chat. Uh, but the the point is, Ryan, he goes there and he produces. It's kind of like when we talked about when they lost Will Shipley. Well, okay, that sucks. You didn't you didn't do a good job. You didn't have backup plans. All these other things. But okay, what do you do now? And the pivot was what the difference between this staff and that staff is. That staff had to scramble. And then did a, did a good job post scrambling to get Logan Diggs and Audric Estime. This is a different deal because they already had. Okay, if we don't get this guy, we know exactly who we want to go get. And in every instance, that's exactly what they did. And you have to give them some credit for that. Even at safety, look, yep. the safety class we'll get into. There's some question marks there, but there's never a doubt that the guys they went after were guys they either liked or or they had plans for. Okay, we missed out on some guys. We now have to get some guys into camp, work some guys out, and things along yep. those lines. There was a plan to a degree of with those guys. And, yep. and they so also have- they also did a good job for back to back years of doing the preferred walk on game, right? Yes. I mean, we talked a lot about Luke Tolich and Jordan Faison last year and Henry Garrity, but you come back the next year and get Joseph Vinci, who might be your long snapper in the pretty near future. I mean, he's that Got good a of a chance. long snapper potentially, yeah. and. You bring in Xavier Southall, and you bring in a couple of these guys, or in you know Anthony Rezac. It's like that's a and really there's a nice couple more they're trying call. to get. There's a yep. couple more guys they're trying to get that are good football players. Yep. So yeah, Ryan, it's just I really, I really dig what they're doing in this class. And Xavier Southall obviously is the son of Corny Southall, who who played at Notre Dame under I believe under Coach Holtz. So really like what they did putting it together and met their needs. Other part of it. Okay, you met your needs. You had balanced class. You can put it. You can put a field, a team of twenty-two on the field this year with this group. Next question. Okay, but did you land impact players? That's the next question, and that to me is what sets this class apart. This class. I was talking with somebody last night, and they asked me, "How do you think Notre Dame stacks up now compared to Brian Kelly's early tenure?" 
And I said, and my, my point was like, one thing Kelly did a really good job of early was landing his first couple classes, like dudes, Aaron Lynch, Stephon Tuitt, Lewis Nix. I mean, just like really elite players, but there was just a lack of balance. Last year's class started to kind of get to that, but there weren't a lot of, like, I think I only graded one guy as a five-star last year. And then there was, I think, three, four-and-a-half-star guys. I'd have to look at last yeah. year's class. I know I had Jay Nosbury as a top 50 guy. I had Jeremiah Love as a top 50 guy. I yep. actually think that was it for my top 50 guys last year. Charles Jagasaw? Jagasaw was my five-star. He was a five-star. Oh, five yeah, got he it. was yep. my five-star. And I'm trying to look at uh, let me let me just pull up the class rankings because I know I know that I had only uh, I, so two guys. My number three guy was Jane Greathouse. He was a top hundred, so I didn't have him in the top fifty on offense. Okay. And then Christian Gray was my number two defensive guy. He was also a top hundred guy. So I only had three guys that were in the top fifty, and only one that was five star, and I was a lineman, which you know Notre Dame kind of does that. The difference this year is they did land a five-star lineman again on my board. That's Gilby Lambert. And I think at – I don't know where you have him, Ryan, but I would imagine at worst you have him as a top 50 guy at worst. Yeah, I you do. Know, yep. and, and then you have – I had C.J. Carr as a five-star. I have Cam Williams as a five-star. At worst, you're going to have those guys in the top 50. I have uh, Bryce Young as a top 50 guy, as a four-and-a-half star, and I have Kingston as a four-and-a-half star. And Kingston was like this close – to being a five star on my grading scale, like he, he got a five star for me, he got yeah. a five star for me. So yeah. like he was, I think, three points away, and I'm mm-hmm. talking like to be a five star, you need 706 points. He was like three points away from being in it, right? You know what I mean? So like he was close, and honestly, it came down to the intangible grade with the missed season from two years ago. That's the the injury history. That was that was it. That's an elite player, right? If you're a top 50 high school recruit, you're an elite player. That's five, Ryan, and they got him. At quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, defensive end, and linebacker. Those are money positions. And then when you look at the upside grades of the classes, Ryan, and, and, and you know, for, for me, from you know, because I do, I do, um, you know, the way I do my grades is I I have upside grades, and I I mean I have current. So my ranking comes off kind of your current grade. There's always some projection, but I, I try to leave as much of the projection out as I can. And just look at like, okay, here's where you are. But, you know, you have to like some like last year, we you and I both had Bubacar and, and Armel weren't super high in our actual class rankings, but we had them one, two in upside grade. So you look at upside grade. I gave four guys up five star upside grades on offense this year. The three five stars plus Kedron Young for me as a college back. I look pure college. I don't care about NFL. And then I have four other guys with four and a half star upside grade. So like one guy you and I disagree on is Anthony Knapp. You have him higher than I do. I have him as a three-and-a-half-star kid who's the lowest-ranked kid in the offensive class. But I see what you see, and that's yep. why he has a four-and-a-half upstar grade for me. Because if my thing is if he can – if the one thing he has a really low grade on for me is size, and that knocked him down. But if he can gain 30 pounds and still play with the athleticism and all those things that he does now, you can see, like, this kid could end up being really good. And so there's a lot of that, too. And then defensively – I, I don't have Logan Thomas in my top 100. He just he needs too much work right now for me to 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 grade out for a current grade in the top 100. But Ryan, it's not. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to watch that kid and say five star upside. And so there were four kids with five star upsides on defense for me, and five with four and a half star upsides, including the guy that I rank as the lowest ranked kid in the entire class on either side of the ball in Teddy Rezac. 
He's my number 23 out of 23. But it's just like with Anthony Knapp. If that kid can add 25, 30 pounds and still run like that and hit like that and move like that, he's going to be a really good football player. At the very least, he could be Jack Kaiser with two extra inches. Right. right. At the very least. A key special, special teamer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, that's yep. not four and a half star, but that's a good fo- a rotation linebacker, a, a, a starting rover, a really good special teams guy that you're going to want around your program for a long time. But that length and that size is exactly what Jack Kaiser was missing coming out of high school. And so that's what I love about this class, Ryan, is when you talk about impact talent, there's impact guys right now that they landed. But there's a lot of other guys that if they can get developed, won't just be like, couldn't just be just like, you know, good, solid players. But that guy could become a dude. And that's what this class is. Because you can't have only upside guys. Right. You need guys that are are dudes now, and this class has a really nice blend of those two things, Ryan. They do, they do, and I. But I think the key thing is that mo, you know, there's very few guys in this class. If you aren't a high floor guy, that don't have that high upside, right? Like everyone has that to a degree. There's a couple guys I think lack a little bit of an upside, but for the most part, I think it's I think it is a great blend. I think that you, because the the spots that I think you brought a floor in are at the most important positions, right? I mean, because where is the offense, where is the team built upon still as far as the most important positions? Quarterback, offensive tackle, outside pass rusher. In today's world, wide receiver and corner have obviously taken a big uptick as far as that. So you need to find players that have that high floor, high ceiling combination at the most important positions. And then you can fill in with guys from times that are just kind of, make or break, you know, boomer bust, however you want to quantify it. But guys that if you, if they hit, if they gain their weight well, if they're technically able to take an uptick, if they are coached very well, they could become that type of guy. So I think that balance is important, not only from just college football teams, because guys, I know that we, we fall in love with the stars a lot, but I'm here to tell you, and I don't know if this is breaking news, but Georgia and Alabama also sign guys that are a little bit of boomer bust players. They also do that. They do it every single year. It's just sometimes when they go to the SEC, they might get overranked a little bit where you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure if that guy's exactly that player today that he's kind of being portrayed as. But ultimately, this is the formula. I think the formula is similar for just about every program that matters in college football. Not everybody is going to be a high ceiling, high floor player. Not everybody is going to be a high ceiling, low floor player. You need that mix because that is what we call roster management and roster mm-hmm. construction. You can't have it without it, right? You can't because then there's going to be some guys that are going to be bust. There's going to be some guys that are going to transfer. And if you don't have a good mix, then you're going to run into a numbers issue at certain positions where I don't have a guy that can start right now. I don't have a guy that I can look at and tangibly say he's ready to go I can I can work with him from this moment forward. That's why the transfer portal has taken such a big flux just around college football because that roster management is it's harder to maintain today. It really is with the with the you know not only just being able to go to being able to the NFL after three years, but also that transfer portal stuff, injuries that happen, all this stuff really eats into a roster. That's why I think balance is a big thing, not only for Notre Dame but I think across college football, it's very important because yeah. again, Alabama and Georgia. They're going about it a, a similar way. You know, it might look different from the outside perspective based upon recruiting rankings, but they're taking kids that it's like, hey, man, that guy could be really good or 
he might not be a guy at all. No. Like it's it, that's just, that's the formula that every team that that is worth anything they do abide by that as well. Well, Ryan, you look at Georgia. I think it was their 18 class. Do you know who the lowest ranked position player was on that class, that 2018 class on the 247 Sports Composite ranking? Georgia. Um, let me actually. I want to guess here. The Georgia yeah. team. I feel like I've heard this before. Had to be a good player, obviously. Yep. 18, 18. Dang it. I know I'm going to know this, but go ahead. I, I'm Big guy. Sure. Big guy? Yeah. Oh, Jordan Davis. Yeah. Jordan Davis. Yeah. Yeah. He was there, and he was a three star. He was their yeah. lowest ranked recruit. Yeah. Their third, to, their, their second to lowest recruit in the 2020 class was Lad McConkey, who wasn't yeah. even good enough to get into the like top 1500. He was a walk on to begin with, right? Like he didn't have a scholarship. He was ranked as, excuse me, top thousand. He was he was the hunt. Two four seven sports ranked him as the number one hundred and twenty six player in the state of Georgia, coming out of high school, and and so the point is, but you you know you you don't think Georgia got Jordan Davis because they thought he was just going to be some stiff that couldn't move. They got him because they said, look, this kid's going to need some work. He's a little heavy. He needs some coaching, but there's there's something to work with with this kid. And that you, you, you know what's a big time guys. Yeah. And you know, what's another good one. I remember that there was one year where LSU ended up not finishing with the number one overall class by service. Cause they took Jacob Hester who like right. knocked them down a big peg. It's like Jacob Hester ended up being a really important player for LSU football over yeah. the next couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> like this stuff happens. Right. Man. And, and, and like, you know, yeah. we talk about that, um, about that Georgia team from, or that LSU team from 2019. Right. I mean, Jamar Chase was a five star. I mean, he was a no brainer. You watch that kid's film. You're like, that's a dude. Joe Burrow was a borderline top 250 player. I think some had him inside the top 250. Some had him outside. I think he ended up like 288, I believe, is what he was ranked on the composite ranking. Sounds right. And then you had Justin Jefferson, who was ranked as the number 2,174 (laughs) player. They 247 composite ranking had 307 receivers ranked ahead of Justin Jefferson coming out of that class. And now Justin Probably the, the best, best receiver right. in the NFL. <laughs> like, yeah. And 76 guys from Louisiana ranked ahead of him. Now, yeah. here's what we always say you need five stars in college, but it's the in college part. And that goes back to what I was talking about before. There used to be where Notre Dame would l- land a couple, three to four guys that were either five stars or had five star upside. And, and, and some of those guys that did have the five star upside, it was like it was really far away from that five star upside. What you're seeing now is this really important blend of guys that are just dudes right now versus guys that have a chance to be really impactful. And it's not a bunch of offensive linemen. I I think I only had one offensive lineman with five-star upside, Ryan. If I'm looking at my – yeah, it was was Gearby Lambert. Now, I had Styles Prescott at four-and-a-half-star upside because I think he could end up being a really good player when it's all said and done. But I didn't quite – because I'm trying to be a little bit more – I'm trying to be a little bit more – conservative with handing that out than I was four or five years ago. Right. And so it's, it's, it's skill players, it's quarterbacks, it's running backs, it's receivers, it's defensive linemen, it's linebackers. And that's where you start saying like, okay, they, they met their needs and they landed impact talent. Cause the more guys you get that have the upside of being elite players, some of them are not going to pan out. Some of the guys I give either five star or four and a half star upside to are just not going to be very good players. But the more of those guys you get, and you still, but and if you still hit at the same rate, if your success rate is one out of three, and you land three of them, then you're only going to one of them is going to be any good. If you know one of them is going to be elite, if you land 
12 of them and you're one out of three, then you're right. landing four of them. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Right. And so that's why it's important to give me those kind of guys. And then if you have a right situation for development, then you're, you're going to be in a great place. So I absolutely give this staff and this class very high remarks, Ryan, when it comes to yeah. landing impact talent on, but I, I think the offensive class was better than the defensive class, my opinion. Mm-hmm. But even the defensive class, you see actually more four and a half to five star upside guys than you do in the right. offensive class. I would agree there. And I, I would just say this is that this is why I was for, you know, a transfer portal quarterback this year, for instance, right? Is because the more talented players you put in the room, the better odds you have that the room is going to be good and that you're going to get a player that is able to be that type of guy, right? And it's it's going to be apples to oranges in some areas, but ultimately, I'm I mean that that is what we're playing here. We're playing the law of averages. We need to understand as evaluators whether again you're evaluating, projecting the college or you're bringing the NFL, a hit rate is still not going to be perfect ever. I mean, if you're a good NFL evaluator, you probably hit about fifty percent as far as like guys that are rosterable and that they're good players, right? Like it's probably the most. You're going to have your misses, and people need to understand that. And I know everyone just likes to hold misses above people's heads. Like, oh, sure. you told me that guy was good. Sure, man. I mean, show me the other 16 people that I said were going to be good that ended up being good. But that's a different conversation for another day. Regardless, though, get as many talented football players in a room as possible, and you're going to be much better off. That's law of averages. That's widening the margin for error. Whatever cliche you want to throw out there, that's what that's for. That's why you do that, right? That's why roster additions and construction is so important. I'm not filling gaps with guys that I don't believe in, that I don't believe in their talents, right? And I don't think Notre Dame did that this year, Brian. Like, I don't think they did that. I think they filled gaps in gaps per se in the recruiting class with guys that they say, that guy could be really good if we coach him up. That guy could be really good. Yeah, maybe he's not a day one starter. Maybe he's not a guy that could even help us in 2024 in any capacity. But you know what? If, if our coaches are worth anything, they're going to be able to get the most out of that guy. Yeah. They're going to be able to do it. So, yeah, filling in gaps with talented players is the – I think that's the – that's how I would phrase this 2024 class, man. Like, there's talent everywhere, everywhere. If this group hits, I think they could be better than 2023. I think in yes. a vacuum, 2023 would rank higher for me. Agreed. But if all 2024 hits their ceilings, though – that's the more impressive, talented class, yeah. in my opinion, potentially. Agreed. More upside. Yeah. Like, Ryan, here's a perfect example. Uh, Bill Polian, Hall of Fame GM. I was looking at his success rate with first-round picks, and it was nuts. He was with the he was with the Colts from, like, 98 to 2009. Yep. He had a string of first-round picks. This is, a, this is in order of who he had. <laughs> Peyton Manning, Edron James, Rob Morris, Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, Dallas Clark, uh, Bob Sanders, no, Bob Sanders, second round pick. They didn't have first round that year. Marlon Jackson, Joseph Adai, Anthony Gonzalez, and then his last one was Donald Brown. So, like, not as many at the end of it, sure. but like that. But here's the deal there's a lot of teams that can stack first round picks like that and never win Super Bowls and never make it to Super Bowls. It was all the other complementary pieces around that as well. And that's the final piece to me. Yes, they've landed impact talent. And yes, Brian, Bill Polian was able to bring in like 
great players for like there was like I mean that seven year stretch of first round hit rate is I mean even Rob Morris I believe was a pretty good player until linebacker he got, right? he got hurt right yeah the kid from BYU yeah, yeah he got some injury he was a good football player but I mean you're Peyton Manning Edger and James it's pretty good Rob Morris Reggie Wayne Dwight Freeney Dallas Clark Bob Sanders was your number one pick the next year I mean that's a great seven year stretch of of your top picks hitting yep. yes but that's seven out of twenty two. And and you've got to be able to build the team around them, and that's the difference, right? It's those other complementary players, and that's the final piece to this. I love the depth of this class. Yeah, I mean, there are years where – I mean, I have Anthony Knapp as the lowest-graded player in the class. There are years where Anthony Knapp would have been a middle-of-the-pack player with the same grade as he has now. That's That's where you want to be. Where if that's if that's the worst guy in your class, or if you have Logan Saldate as the lowest ranked guy in your class, I don't know who's your eleven, who's your number eleven in your in your class, my, Ryan. My number eleven. That's a great question. Let me pull it up. My lowest ranked guy in the class on either side. Of the, are you talking about offensively? Offense. Yeah, for offense for now. Styles Prescott actually. All right. That's yeah, a guy but... with some tools. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. it's the same point that I'm making about Anthony Knapp. If that's your lowest ranked guy, that says more about your class than anything else. If I had Ben Minnick as my lowest ranked guy in the defensive class last year, I was a four star recruit. <laughs> I was right? a kid, yeah. No. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. That's where you want to be, and that's what this class, that's what this staff is doing. It's not just that you're yeah. landing, you know, because like if you look at, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna talk to you about the Notre Dame 2011 recruiting class, okay. right? And and this is gonna give you a perfect example of what I'm referring to. Okay, so Notre Dame comes out that year and they sign Aaron Lynch, five star defensive end, Stefan Tuitt, five star defensive end, um, Ishak Williams, five star defensive end. They signed Ben Koyak, highly ranked player, Matt Hegarty, Eiler Hardy, Ben Council, George Atkinson, DeForest Daniels, Troy Nicholas. But then you look at the bottom of the class and you're you're like, okay, Jalen Brown, Brad mm. Carrico, Chase Hounsell. You know, Josh Atkins, may he rest in peace, Anthony Rabasa, Tony Springman, some guys that you just knew were going to be career. Connor Hanratty was another one. You're like, come on now. Now, some of their lower ranked guys end up being pretty good. Nick Martin ended up being a pretty good player. Uh, they had Cam McDaniel in that class. Matthias Farley ended up being an NFL football player. You know, so so there was this there was this big gap between your what you had at the top and what you had at the bottom. And to me, when I look at the bottom of of, of the class for me. And my fo- my bottom five, as far as lowest ranked players, is Anthony Knapp. Uh, T- or excuse me, Teddy Rezac is is at the bottom for me. It's Teddy Rezac, Sean. This is from the bottom up. Sean Sevillano, Tabron Benny Powell, Anthony Knapp, and Logan Saldate. That's my bottom five. Okay. No, I'm sorry, um, Carson Hobbs. I have I have Logan Saldate higher than Logan Car- uh, Carson Hobbs. That's the bottom five guys in this class, Ryan. I have Carson Hobbs is yep. a four-star top 250 caliber prospect, and he's in the bottom five of this class for me. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing because you can't just have a couple guys because when you get to the postseason, you're playing Georgia, they'll match you five-star for five-star. Guaranteed they will match you. Bama will match you five-star for five-star. Ohio State will match you five-star for five-star. The key is, can you go, where are you, 7 to 22, 7 right. to 30? Because you look at Bam- Notre Dame-Bama 2012, perfect example. I'll take Notre Dame's top five players on that team and stack them up with Bama's top five players and say, let's have at it. You're talking about a Hall of Famer at, 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 uh, 
at offensive line and Zach Martin. You're talking about one of the best tight ends the Notre Dame's ever had in Tyler Eifert. You're talking about Manti Teo. You're talking about Stephon Tuitt and either whoever you want your fifth to be, whether it's Lewis Nix, whether it's Capron Lewis Moore, whether it's whoever you – TJ Jones, whoever you want it to be. I'll take that five and stack it up against Bama's five and say we can have a conversation. The difference in that game was like seven through 30 wasn't even a conversation about who was better because they had two or three Stephon Tuits and Notre Dame had one. You know what I mean? They had two or three impact players over here where Notre Dame had one. Right. And that's the final piece of this class, Ryan, that you have to look at and say the depth that Notre Dame mm-hmm. has brought in for now two years in a row is different than we've seen since Lou Holtz was the head football coach. It just sure. is. Yeah, I, I think the depth and also I think how the depth fits together is a big thing as well, right? Because, I mean, we talked about it a lot yesterday on the show, and I, I think you were on for part of the conversation, but like Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs, I think, fit really well together. I think the offensive line could potentially fit really well together. I think the defensive end position can fit really well together, potentially. The linebackers can fit really well together, which will obviously break down a little bit more in depth. But I think not only just from quality of depth, but I think the quality of depth that can also play together they can also fit together it's not a square peg in a round hole you know you didn't dread like the example i gave yesterday was i didn't get two boundary corner just strictly boundary corners that can't play to the field yesterday uh, this this year in the 2024 class i think you got two guys that could potentially play a little bit of both you know like you have at least one guy in my opinion that could play boundary and field potentially on the next level so it can also fit well together right because i think that the biggest mistake that you can m- make is like even guys that can put together really nice depth as far as like quality players. If you get a bunch of the guys that are just too similar or guys that don't fit, you can't play multiple positions or at least project to a different position. Then you're clogging up your roster with guys that don't fit well together either. So I think the quality of depth is also very representative by, you know, like Bodie Cahoon, Kingston, Villamoasa and Teddy Rizek. They can play together. They're completely different players. They're all so different. Carson Hobbs and Leonard Moore are very different players from one another. They can play together. The safeties can potentially play together. Like they can all play different roles for you offensively and defensively. And I think that's what I look at. It and I say that team not only got a lot of depth talent in this class, they also got guys that conceivably could play together, which matters. It, it, would you not, would you say it's crazy to say that I could see a situation where if the safeties in this class are starters at Notre Dame, that Bronte Johnson's playing a lot of center field. Yep. Kennedy Erlach is your downhill alley player, and yep. you've turned basically T- Tabron Benny Powell into 205-pound basically rover, essentially awesome. is what you're doing, yep. right, in your nickel situation. And, and say that fits their skill sets just fine. Or it could even you know? be vice versa. I mean, you could say right. that, I mean, maybe Kennedy becomes the rover and Tabron right. becomes the alley. I right. mean, like, yeah, it, it could right. fit is the point. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Defensive end-wise, you have a, a pure Viper and Logan yep. Thomas – a pure end in Bryce Young, and then a guy in Cole Mullins that could do both. So now yep. you have you've got your rotation guy, and that's why I say the only knock that I have with the defensive class is that they they I feel they needed another interior guy and didn't get one. The sure. offensive class they couldn't put a starting eleven together because they don't have a fifth offensive lineman. But that's not something I'm dinging them for because they didn't need. They really only needed three. We said this at the very beginning. They really only the need was three. They still have yep. like 17, 18 off scholarship offensive linemen projected to be on the team next year. They're going to have to reduce that a little bit. They're they're yep. over. They didn't need four, but they wisely went and got four. 
Because right. Gary Lambert was the fourth. Correct. <laughs> so the yeah, difference right. for me is even though the defense can't put starting 11, I'm not, not you don't have to get a starting 11 every year. They've got a sure. starting 10 plus a really good rotation at, at, at Rover with one of the two safeties and defensive end. Right. But they needed the second in tier, which is why they tried to sign Namdi and Boku down the stretch because they did, did want a second guy, but I will give them credit that they didn't just. Go get somebody. Guy, and and look, yeah. the, the Owen Wafel situation is another example. I would have taken Owen Wafel in this class. I like Owen Wafel, But I'll give them – and so my, I criticize them for not doing that. But here's where I give them credit. Their evaluation of Owen Wafel is different than ours. Yes. And they stuck to it. They don't view him as the player that you and I do. And mm-hmm. even – we can agree to disagree on that with them, but I like the fact that they had conviction in it, and that's why they kind of – nudged him out of the class a little bit right and and so high marks in that regard ryan so just overall final question did notre dame close the gap on this class i think the way we've been talking about it makes that answer obvious but i'll let you answer the question well i I would say it's an emphatic exclamation point on one side of the ball and it's one side of the ball that has a little bit more question right because it it, for me it's offensively did you close the gap yes I, i don't i have an emphatic yes there there's an exclamation point at the end there defensively i think you did because there was a couple key key pieces and a couple key positions that i think is still very vital for notre dame to eventually get over that hump but there are a lot more projection on the defensive side of the ball than there is on the offensive side of the ball so i look at that and i say i think they did but it's going to be about development that is going to be key for the defensive side of the ball but offensively i just think it's a no-brainer like you had so many floors compared to ceilings as well on the offensive side of the ball Yes, they close the gap on offense. Defense, I think it can be a gap closing class, but there's a little bit more projection and the development has to be good in order for, for in order for them to be that type of class, in my opinion. I, I will say this, Ryan. We are hundred yep. percent agree on the offense. I, I I think you and I I think you and I are on this gonna be on the same page when I say this, but it's gonna sound different than what you just said. This is a gap closing defensive class by the sheer definition of are you better now than you were? Yes. The question, however, is how much, whereas you said offensively emphatic, no brainer. I mean, for what we know about this group now, elite quarterback, elite running back room, elite receiver room, you know, really good offensive line with some upside, no brainer. And and we'll talk about how the the class is graded here in in a few compared to others. But defensively there, the question mark is, did you close the gap by this much or did you close the gap by this much? offensively you close the gap by this much just from a recruiting standpoint defensively right now i'd say you close the gap about that much now there's two reasons for that number one is you already had some really good talent on the defense anyway and and because like to your point about whose class was better last year's or this year's well this year's class is definitely better than last year's class on offense like and that's saying something because last year's offensive class was pretty good Last year's defensive class right now is definitely better than this year's defensive class, top to bottom. Now, if Teddy Rezac hits, if Kennedy Erlacher hits, if Bodie Cahoon hits, if Logan Thomas hits, if Cole Mullins is what I think he is, not what everybody else seems to think he is, you, you know what I mean? Like if Carson Hobbs hits, then it can, but like you said, Ryan, there's still a and, and my grades reflect this. I mean, if you look at my my grades and we'll get into this for the different classes, right? It reflects exactly what we're talking about, which is there's a lot of potential in the defensive class, but I can't quite call it elite. 
because of the the fact that there are still so many question marks on the class. Yeah, and I, I think that's very fair because I would agree. Yes, did you get bigger, more athletic, and better on defense side of the football? Absolutely, right? But I, I think that obviously there is just a, a story that has yet to be written, which is always right. funny with these you know, these early grades and everything, because grades are going to change. You know, you go back and regrade and, and, you know, analyze like that's why I hate like the NFL side of things. Like when you grade draft classes right after it happens, I'm just like, look, guys, like I I, I can look at a, a great a class and be like, I didn't like that pick. I would pick this guy there instead of that. But I'm not going to put like an A plus grade on a class because their story hasn't been written yet. Right. It doesn't actually matter what's going to show if we're right or wrong is looking back on this three years from now, right? And being like, yeah, oh, yeah, we were, we were there. You know, the like, greatest that, that recruiting classes, the greatest recruiting class that is supposedly ever signed with anyone was two years ago at Texas A&M, and right now over half that class is gone. I mean, I mean it was a really talented class, but yes. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, it went to a but very volatile reality situation it, right? as well. <laughs> and it wasn't, as we said before, it wasn't an incredibly well-constructed class because nah, there were big holes. So yep. anyway, Ryan, that's that's where we're at. So I, you know, yep. impact talent check, depth and balance of your class check. Did you close the gap? Check. Notre Dame made themselves better with how they recruited this class. Now it's about do you have the proper staff in place to coach it up? That's where Notre Dame exactly. Is part two of our show. Before we get to part two of our show, Ryan, just wanted to remind people: do us all a favor, folks. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. And if you have not done so, you are missing out on the message board. I promise you. A lot of good stuff over there. We're going to have even more as we get into the 2025 class. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 